G'day, it is The Coach, and we are getting our goat on. That's it. It is Beasts of Chaos, the most anticipated show. Everyone's ready. Everyone's hyped. Um, I cannot be – I'm so excited. I love this, this army. It's an army that I, I, I really enjoy playing. I had a, a, a game just before the end of um, third edition playing against, like, Sons of Behemoth versus Beasts of Chaos, and it was just, like, this absolute – amazing punch in the middle. It's just like you punch me, I punch you boxing match. But I've got Bartosh here, Eat, Bray, Love, um, one of my personal heroes in the Beast of Chaos community. Joel is still playing. Don't freak out if you're wondering where Joel is. <laughs> I wanted to bring in a second opinion, and I couldn't think of a better person than Bartosh. But do you want to give people maybe a quick introduction on who you are and what brought you to the Herdstone? Yeah, hey, guys. Uh uh, hey to all the beast lords in the chat. <laughs> it's a pretty tight-knit community of people who play beast men because you're probably not playing it if you want to win tournaments. <laughs> that happens by accident. <laughs> well, so... like, like I, was, I was doing some secret list checking. I was like, ask my Discord. I'm like, quick, what are the secrets? And someone said, oh, this, this list came forth in a, in a local event or a GT. I, I didn't quick look. They dropped it just as the show started. Um, but Beast of Chaos are the, one of those armies that, I've always been fascinated with, and I've always been disappointed that not everybody gets into this. And we were talking earlier, and I, I said just before we started, I'm like, the context of this show, Bartosh, is that um, everyone's coming in from second edition to third edition. No one is crazy enough to pick this up and start it with third, and you you actually <laughs> me, and um, you've said, no, there's people. Yeah, so, so just to say something about myself and how I got into the army. Uh, so, so I'm another fake Kiwi like AOS shorts. <laughs> I'm originally Canadian, but be living here for seven years. No um, one, no one in your country <laughs> is legit. Like you know, from from like Seth to shorts to Jonathan, like you're all fake Kiwis. Yeah, sorry to disappoint you guys. I don't have a Kiwi accent. I, I can't do a good impression at all. You know, some, my wife is Kiwi, and sometimes I still can't understand her. We still have <laughs> communication difficulties. <laughs> Um, so I, I got into into AOS in 2017. So so I was I was always a big nerd playing Dungeons and Dragons and uh, and other RPGs like that, like Savage Worlds. And uh, and I tore my ACL playing soccer, so I was out for like <laughs> well over a year. And I always wanted to paint miniatures and um, and I was like looking at the at the Warhammer models, and I, I was just like looking into the game, and I saw people saying that Beastmen are going to get squatted because this was back in AOS one, when like they'd they'd split us off, and they had Centigors and Dragon Ogres and their own factions and stuff like that, and um, and I'd always enjoyed reading the the Warhammer Fantasy books, so I always enjoyed my favorites were Bretonia, Beastmen, Tomb Kings. Those were my my favorite Warhammer Fantasy armies. <laughs> Those top tier armies. <laughs> <laughs> Two yeah. out of three are gone. Well, <laughs> sorry, one has been reimagined. Actually, no, they're both reimagined. Flesh Eater Courts, I know that'll piss them off. Um, yeah, but... you know, I've, I've been buying Bretonia and Tomb Kings models the past few years before they get too expensive. <laughs> so I just got myself like 80 Tomb Guard that I found on eBay. Um, but yeah, I was I was reading like the the discourse around Beastmen and people were saying they're going to get squatted. And I was like, I need to get these models before they they disappear. And so I, I started painting Beastmen, and um, I found this club here in Auckland, the Model Citizens, that's run by Andy Long uh, at Go Long Designs on on Twitter. So he makes a lot of the 
nice cards and other AOS resources and stuff. And uh, and gone into the game, and then AOS 2 dropped, and then out of nowhere there was a Beastman book. So I got into it maybe like four months before the book dropped. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I've I've been playing Beastman since. It's my main army, and I play a bit of Ogres on the side. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about we won't talk about ogres. Um, it's funny actually because beast the beast book was rumored to actually be the gits. The gits was meant to drop in that September October slot, and I think all of us gits players were actually waiting for this. Like it was the big rumor, and then all of a sudden it was like the bait and switch. Maybe there wasn't enough models ready to be released. But um, I have not had nothing but great experiences playing against Beasts of Chaos. I've really enjoyed them. It's not because they are weak. I think there is some really good play in there. And it's very technical play. And seeing Joel McGrath, for example, who's like the absolute, you know, beast lord. I don't know what's the ascendant of beast <laughs> lord. But, you know, he's really paved the way to show that this can be a competitive force. It's not the easiest force to pilot. It makes you think. But overall, it's still a great faction. And um, first off, before we get into, like, the list talking and we talk about third edition, I just want to make a formal apology to everybody. Um, on behalf of the Warhammer community, I'm sorry that Kragnos was not a beast of chaos. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> I apologize. I hope that I haven't ripped like ripped the band-aid off. I thought it was meant to be a beast of chaos. I would have fight fought tooth and nail, but um here we are, that fake god um betraying you, beast lords. Yeah, I mean he looks exactly like Goros Warhoof, you know, that old hero from yes! Warhammer Fantasy. So he oh, has exactly. a, he had a model. He looks exactly the same, but scaled up like ten times. So I'm pretty sure they just took the CAD file for a, a Goros Warhoof sculpt, and then they just scaled it up and gave it to Destruction. Just to, just if to you haven't it. seen the model, like <laughs> if you haven't seen the model, it's like a splitting image, just like you know, um, yeah. it's like that meme. It's like um, you know what the girl thinks of you and like what she thinks of someone <laughs> else or whatever that meme is. It's like it's so it's so dodgy, but. Let's get into like the yeah. meat and potatoes and let's talk about Beasts of Chaos. And we will show a list and it'll be one of many lists that you can look at. It's not the, the best list in the world, um, it, but it is an example of how you're thinking about third edition. And I think the purpose of today's show is really get an understanding of as a as a Beast Lord, you gained new rules with Broken Realms Kragnos. You got rules for your Gores, your Warherds, your Thunderscorn. You've had new War Scrolls for the Beast Lord. You've obviously had the Jabba's Life. You've had a whole bunch of AOS 3 stuff, both positive and potentially negative. Um, and we'll get into like a little bit more of that type of stuff. But just at a very high level, how do you found Beasts of Chaos have found 3rd Edition so far? And do you think it's like a, a, a win or a loss or where are you at? Yeah, so before, just speaking about Kragnos, I'm kind of glad. In the, I was mad at the time, but in hindsight, I'm glad he's not a Beastman model because that means that there's still an opening for us to get our own sort of superhero god model because Kraken Rock the Black, he's the, you know, in, in the old world, that's where Archeon found his sword. He, it was like buried in the mountain and the mountain turned out to be this giant dragon ogre. And he's still alive in AOS. And in the story, the Dragon Ogres are looking for him. So bring him back, Games Workshop. Give us our colossal 170 mil oval Dragon Ogre, Kraken Rock, and Morgur as well. He's the like the basically a minor Chaos God. He's also around. So there's two possibilities for a big God model that would be way cooler than than. Kraken I think they owe you. I think they owe you <laughs> at this point. Like, 
Like yeah. they, you know, they, they've they've done they've done very little for your community for a, a long time now, so they do owe you a big one. But yeah, um, and that's that's a yeah. good transition to the AOS three talk because that's that's sort of the thing that we're missing the big hero monster because you get so much value from having a three up save and say like five up after save hero, and that's that's the thing we're missing. And when you play Beastmen, you have to think about how you deal with like the Maw Crusher the uh, Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, Alariel, uh, Marathi, Gotrek. I'm including Gotrek in that superhero category, Archeon, because you don't have anything that can tangle with them, and you need to think about what you're going to do. That's that's one of the main weaknesses, I think, in AOS 3 of Beastmen at the moment. And um, so so also, well, just, just the overview of the faction. I think the faction still plays the same way. As it did in AOS 2. I think your play style and your strategy is the same. There's only a little bit of nuance with, with the battle tactics. Because I think in terms of your grand strategy, your grand strategy is always Predator's Domain, because that's the terrain control one. And that's what we're good at. You can spread out your army, you can summon, you can get on the terrain features and control them. So you should always achieve Predator's Domain. And your battle tactics, so you're actually pretty good at achieving the battle tactics that don't involve killing stuff. So don't ever count on killing the warlord, especially with a monster. We don't have monsters that do serious damage. Like, yeah. one fun thing that could happen is your opponent picks a five-wound hero for their general, you get your gorgon to run up to him, and you roll a five or six, and you eat their, <laughs> you eat their general, you score the extra point. But in general, you're not going to get that. If, if they pick some like 10-wound hero on a three-up save or something, you're probably not killing them. If they because you're using finest hour for for defense and total defense and maybe mystic shield and we don't have the damage output to deal with that and you're often not getting broken ranks cuz if they have tough battle line like phoenix guard and things like that you're you can't reliably kill them but a lot of the other battle tactics are pretty achievable like um like conquer taking two objectives you can get two monsters in your opponent's territory you can run with three monsters cuz you have cheap monsters in the army yeah, I was. That, that, yeah, I was, was going to say like because there's a lot of things that have gone against you, and you're right. In the current meta, as we're currently recording, it's you know sixty days, ninety days in in AOS three, and we are seeing at the moment a lot of players going down a very hero, hero hammer route, which is you know a lot of points, whether it's a thousand or more, going into these larger than lives, as you said, Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. More crushes, Alarial, Techless, you know, you rattle rattle it on, right? And a yeah. lot of them are going up to three plus two up saves, healing up with their heroic actions, um, some very tough things. And despite some of those challenges, because you're right, you don't, you know, one of your tankiest heroes is what the Doomball, the Shagoff, uh, the, sh the, oh, the, sh yeah, the Shagoff as he well, yeah, tech actually. So he can go to a three up save with adamantine scales. It's not a plus one save; just changes his his save characteristic to three up. That's so cool. you're often not going to be running a sub faction, so you can run a tanky general Shagoth, and you give him the Amulet of Destiny. So he's three up, five up, ten wounds, and he heals one wound at the end of each combat phase on a two up. So, so as long as you're not putting him into like scary stuff, he can live. You you run him with six dragon ogres, and hopefully you make it difficult for your opponent to kill your your general. So, um, I I did lose him in my last tournament to Indrasta. 
Um, but I rolled terribly on my ward saves and stuff. He took like six damage from liberators. <laughs> so and Drust and Drust is also yeah. a monster hunter. Like she is so good yeah. at doing that. So you know, I wouldn't. So don't put him into Indrasta, but like if you're putting him into softer stuff and you roll well, and he's a wizard, so he can Mystic Shield himself, and you can use Total Defense, you can be effectively one up save. I mean, it's two up, but ignoring you're 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 yeah you're you're yeah. building into to mitigate rend. Yeah. So so in terms of your your hero, your your shag off with no sub factions, so you can take adamantine scales and um and the five up ward from Amulet of Destiny is reasonably tough. So that's that's one of the buffs from from AOS three that we can have a tough hero now. Because um, I think I think your Shagoth is automatically your general. There's I think there's no reason to use your Doom Bull as a general unless you're. I mean, when I say this stuff, this is all my opinion. Like like Joel often says, everything in the book is basically garbage, and you're th- <laughs> throwing your garbage at your opponent to distract them while you score the points. And like you just you just pick whatever models you like, and it's more about the gameplay philosophy than actually about the units that you pick, because none of them are like game breaking good. It's more about playing intelligently for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely a throw throw models at your opponent. Um, gore, ungore, they're gonna die. Center gore, they're gonna die. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I wouldn't say they're all trash. I think there's there's some good stuff <laughs> in there. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm still a big fan of the cockatrice, and I think being a, a cheap monster right now, and I think that's one of the really big benefits that you have access to. Unlike a lot of the armies that I play, which are order or destruction armies is that I don't have cheap monsters. So if I'm looking yeah. for that third monster to help me with some of my battle tactics, you know, I've got the Cockatrice, I've got a Jabba Slythe, I've got the the Kitty Cat, the Mind Sphinx. You know, I've got a couple of really good monsters I can tap into. And, you know, fingers crossed, you get a whole bunch of monster, more monsters. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think one issue you have to think about is that in the, in the battle tactic, um, like or in the GUR pack, rather. So your opponent can score one point per round for killing a monster. So you have to be careful when you take squishy monsters like the Cockatrice. Like, if your opponent... I think you really have to think about your meta. If you have a heavy melee meta, take all the Cockatrices, just swarm your opponent with cocks, (laughs) and have chaff in front of them uh, to help you protect them. But if your opponent has shooting, you have a Cockatrice on a 6-up save, and I think it's got, like, 7 wounds or something, and they just blow it off easy easy battle tactic right there so the shagoth is great because he's he's 10 wounds three up five up so so it's a little bit more difficult to to shoot him off um i mean like um what do you call them the lumineth archers the sentinels they'll they'll still blow him off easy like if you have 30 of them uh but you can write lists to at least postpone that a little bit um yeah so yeah like uh, I am exaggerating a bit, saying everything is trash. There's nothing that stands out as like amazing, but there is I, there is some stuff that's interesting in the book. Layers. I think. Of trash. Jo- I, th- I think. I think. <laughs> I think. Josh. Yeah. Josh. Josh in the chat has. I think nailed that. Yeah. He's called it layers of trash. And you're right. <laughs> it is waves and waves and waves. And you know when I've played against Beast of yeah. Chaos, it is that gore and ungore wave, and then it's the bulgore wave. And may- maybe if your your opponent or if you uh, have like you know big grapefruits, you run a, a, a gorgon or a, a cygor. Cygors are still not good, are they? 
No, they're they're very bad. Don't take them. I'm I mean, waiting I'm for saying... the day that the Cygore <laughs> is going to be good, and I'm waiting for yeah. this day. And I think Gorgon might have slightly improved. No, uh, Gorgon, I, would, I don't know. Gorgon is interesting now, I think, because he didn't go up too much. He's 170, and if you run him together with a Doom Bull, so running together as a pair. Some people run two Gorgons together as a pair. And like they can deal with sort of medium threats, and if they wipe a unit, they heal D3. So they're, although they bracket fairly early, they can heal themselves up if you're putting them into the right stuff. Don't don't go into scary stuff like, um, <laughs> uh, like, so mine uh, ended up fighting annihilators in the last tournament, and he actually came out on top because he ate an annihilator in the middle, and uh, broke coherency. Uh... But you generally don't want to do that. Put them into sort of medium range threats, and then eat some models, break coherency. Um, so I think I think Gorgons are interesting as a monster, and if you play Dark Walkers, so that you can ambush them. So generally, I would personally play No Faction for the tough Shagoth, or or actually in my list, I didn't do that with my Shagoth. I did something else, but we'll talk about it in a bit. But if you play Dark Walkers, two Gorgons in ambush, and then you bring them on, and you automatically um, as long as your opponent sort of vacated their deployment zone, you can wait till turn two to bring them on in Dark Walkers, and you automatically uh, score the what is it called? I have the battle tactics on my other screen. The one where you bring two monsters into your opponent's territory and score. Oh, uh, is that a great? No, points. it's not aggressive expansion. It's um, ferocious advance. Oh, I don't know. It's I think it's aggressive expansion. Oh, people can wherever look at you cool get in your opponent's territory, and you score one extra yeah, point for a monster or for two yeah. monsters. You bring the two Gorgons into your opponent's backfield, and you score three points for your battle tactic, and now they have two Gorgons to deal with in their backfield. And I... like They're, they're going to die if they put something serious into them, but if they're putting something serious into them, they're hopefully not fighting for the objective. They're dealing with two Gorgons that are in their backfield. So that's an interesting thing you could do with um, with Gorgons and Darkwalkers if you don't want to go the, the tough Shagoth route. And that's probably been my experience is that most people have not ambushed a Gorgon and they just become a pin cushion as they're kind of walking up the board. You know, you put enough damage, like half damage into it and all of a sudden it just like it, you, you mitigate the risk or what it does to you. So um, that's a really cool comment. I, I just want to pull out Tuan's comment here before I – I've got a whole bunch of rapid-fire questions I want to throw at you. But um, we've talked a lot about the Shagoth and I don't think a lot of people have probably taken a Shagoth for a while or maybe at all you know beast lords and your brace shamans have been the, like the fundamental heroes in your list and a doom bull but are you handicapping yourself do you believe if you didn't take a shag off in in the current meta um maybe a little bit um so i personally actually loved shag off since the book came out so i took uh i always took at least one shag off since since the book came out before they were before they were cool uh, because they have a really good spell lore. So even they don't do that much damage, they weren't that tough, but the spell lore was excellent, especially when you had Daughters of Cain being really scary. So uh, the two spells that they have, they have a spell lore with three spells, and you only need to know two of them, because those are the two relevant ones. So the two relevant ones are Hailstorm, so that's 21 inches, and cast on a six, I believe. And also, so I say 21 inches, but... The Thunderscore and Allegiance ability allows you to move D6 inches at the start of the hero phase, so you can project a little bit further. So your opponent has to... It's up to 27-inch threat range on that spell, and it has move, run, and charge. So that spell is great when you're facing, like, especially Death Star units. So if 
if you're facing Kragnos, you can neutralize Kragnos with that spell. That's a game-winning spell. And that's the list that I submitted. Actually, instead of making the tough Shagoth, I gave him the Master of Magic command trait, one of the generic ones, so he can reroll the, the Hailstorm. Because I think that's a game-winning spell if you get it off. And if you have Arcane Terrain, you put him on Arcane Terrain, reroll for that for that six. And it lasts until your next hero phase. So if you're taking the, the end of turn one, you cast it, and your opponent um, gets the next turn. So or rather you cast it, sorry, In you take turn one, you cast the spell, your opponent uh, gets the end of turn one and they double you. So potentially you're wasting two turns. And with redeploy, it's even better now because you have your screen up, you cast it say on Kragnos, and then you move your screen back. And every inch you're moving back with redeploy is adding two inches to their charge. And if you take a Corn Demon Prince, which is what I did in my list that I submitted, so have move, run, and charge. So you're quartering their charge. So to make a three-inch charge, you need to roll a 12. You redeploy. Every inch you redeploy, four inches to the charge. So you can absolutely neuter Gotrek, Kragnos, if you're using the Demon Prince and the Shagoth together. And that was something you could do in AOS too. But with redeploy, it's even more potent because you can extend that, that three-inch charge to, on average, you're rolling 3.5. There's almost no, nothing can make, that sort of charge. I, even Marauders, I don't think you can get there. Marauders whipped by Whippy Guy, I don't think they're making that charge. <laughs> I mean, they can, I mean it, it, it becomes harder. I think yeah. if anyone can do it, it's Marauders. But you've already kind of like wrapped yeah. around. You go on, sorry, please continue, and then I'll get There's into three point five inches. That's you're multiplying it by four if you've got the Demon Prince and Shagoth. So that's another twelve point whatever. That's a 0.5 yeah. times 4, that's 14 inches. That's a 26-inch charge. I don't think anything can make 26-inch charges. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. no Even Marauders aren't that. doing that with an average roll on redeploy. If you've got I'd a have big to look at the maths, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so some of the rapid-fire questions, and you've already started yeah. touching on it, because I guess um, we, we're kind of touching a little bit of the list tech, which is fine, but I want to kind of ask a couple of questions. First off, yeah. you mentioned some of these uh, additional command abilities, things like redeploy, being able to bring back bodies, all-out attack, all-out defense, like rally, for example. Um, how do you think beasts are taking advantage of those? Are you finding you've got a lot of CP? Are there things that really work in your favor? Yeah, it's definitely better than it was in AOS 2. And you really want your general alive for the extra CP. So Shagoth General is usually your choice. So you can keep him alive for the extra CP. I'd say redeploy is the most important one because Beasts of Chaos is its not a shooting army. It's not a combat army. It's a chaff army. And redeploy is how you win games, especially if you're using this other tech with redeploy. Um, All-out attack is good. I think the biggest winner is actually Dragon Ogres with all-out attack. So we didn't have, we didn't really have access to plus one to hit in Beasts of Chaos other than Grashrek spell, and spell synergies are always unreliable. But now you can just put plus one to hit on Dragon Ogres, and they were always sort of rubbish. But now they're like, they're they're actually surprising going into things like um, like Clan Rats, things with a six-up save because they don't have rend, but they. They do have a decent amount of attacks. They hit on threes, wound on threes. So you can go to two up to hit. When they're near a shag off, within, wholly within 12 inches, they reroll ones to hit. So your twos rerolling ones. Shagoth can cast his War Scroll spell. If you're, you're probably casting Hailstorm, he has one cast. But if you need to, you can cast your War Scroll spell. So you're rerolling wounds on the Dragon Ogres. So your twos rerolling ones, rerolling wounds, 
wounding on threes. You don't have any rend, but maybe your herdstone has your enemy in, in range and you've got minus one from the herdstone. And they can they can chew through things that have poor armor saves. Um, and, and they can stick around a little bit longer because from Kragnos they heal a little bit. And the, the Shagoth spell that gives them reroll wounds also lets them heal D3 wounds. So they stick around a bit longer and they've become sort of like a, they're not really an anvil. They're a decent amount of wounds. They're on a four up save. Use total defense on them as well if you need to. They're a tar pit. I've fought against them once, yeah. a whole army of them, and they're just absolute tar pit. Like <laughs> if, you, if people think yeah. pink horrors are a tar pit, I would put <laughs> dragon ogres up. Obviously, it's a different type of tar pit, but they can really just block you up and take a lot of damage. I don't I don't think I would run a whole army of them because I would want to be using like all out attack and all out defense and mystic shield on them. But I think two units of dragon ogres are a good choice. I think a unit of six and a unit of three is a good choice. And your Shagoth generals, they're battle line. And they're reasonably tough. That's sort of the only reasonably tough battle line we have to try and deny broken ranks. So we were talking about Gores and Ungores before, but I think Gores and Ungores are actually bad. Don't don't use them. Because broken ranks, you want to deny that. And if you're using Ungors and Gores as a screen, so Ungors are on a six-up save. They get plus one to save in melee, not against shooting. They've got like four bravery. Gores have five bravery. And like if anything touches them, they die. Gores are on a five-up save, go to four-up in melee. But that's such an easy option for your opponent to hit to get broken ranks, especially if they have shooting. If they have monster shooting like Stegodons, they're getting an extra point for doing that. So you're feeding your opponent battle tactics if you're taking gores and ungores, in my opinion. I think best of gores are rubbish too. They're they're not good anymore. <laughs> oh, I mean, you that's can, sad. If you're not taking um so you need a, a Bray Shaman or Beastle or General to make them battle line. So so potentially they're not battle line in your army because you're probably taking a Shagoth or Doom Bull General. But they're also not good because of coherency, because they're one inch reach and so I'm sad because I have 50 What's, and, and there <laughs> And there are 30, are they 32 mils? Yeah, so so technically which, you which, can get two ranks in combat, but it's like that's in an ideal situation and it's so finicky, you're, I wouldn't rely on it. And that leads me to probably some of the other questions I had, like the rapid fire questions was we've had changes to coherency, which which I think has hurt things like Doom Balls. Um, you know, I've, I've played uh, plenty of Balls. units of... Bulgore, the hero, Bulgore, sorry, yes, but yeah. units of Bulgores. Normally I would fight one, if not two units of six, and potentially now the coherency has, I'll let you explain why it might be bad or maybe I'm wrong. Um, things yeah. like your Besticles, you're right, being on 32 mils, it won't impact your, um, your 25 mil models, but anything on 32s, Anything over five models, um, and if you haven't got a two-inch reach, it does really reduce the value. But how do you? How have you found coherency with your your list building? Yeah, so I I, I used to run a lot of the goat models, like the the Bray Herd. Um, so Bray Herd includes the Zangor stuff, um, which is still okay, I think. But Gores, um, Ungores, and Bestigors, I think we're all out uh, for the most part. You're probably not running them. Bestigors got killed by ho coherency, as someone said in the chat. Definitely, yeah, um, because they've got the one-inch reach. 
Um, I think Gores and Angors, because Gores do like one damage on average in combat anyway, so you didn't care about coherency that much. But I think it's more the battle tactics. Broken ranks, you don't want to give away broken ranks, so don't run Gores. They were already they were bad before. They're worse with coherency and with broken ranks. You want to deny that. So you're not taking Gores anyway. Bulgores, I don't know why they have one inch reach, because they've got like three inch long axes. Their axe is like taller than <laughs> Angkor. Are they only one inch? Yeah. Yeah, that's the and problem. And they're on like 50 mil 50. bases. Or f- so, yeah. and, and that's probably where I have seen that as being a real negative for you because you would have a unit of six and normally you would you would kind of string them out and try to get as many in combat um, as possible. And now this kind of makes more sense why you would be doing that because it's only one inch reach. Yeah. But because so- they're 50 mils and, and coherency changes at, after five so it's not even like you can start the unit at five you're either three or six yeah i always almost feel like just to, <laughs> want to run an endless spell over them to delete a bulgor so you can get five in combat so they're like basically a worse version of rock cut trolls because rock cuts have two inch reach so they can fight in two ranks they also hit on threes rock cuts whereas bulgors hit on fours and that's that's been one of their big weaknesses they hit on fours two attacks with the axe wound on threes so now you're only, if you're fighting with coherency, so you've got four in the front, you've got two in the back to maintain coherency. So you're getting only one extra model by moving to six until you lose one. And before what you would do is, so Bulgors, their average damage is not very reliable because they're hitting on fours. And before we didn't have access to plus one to hit, but what you could do, so Joel did this really well when he played um, Gave Spawn. So you would, uh, you would, bank up your command points as many as you could that you weren't spending on battle shock and then you would just blow them all to give your bulgors extra attacks and because they're three damage that really adds up so even though you're hitting on fours you can you can nuke a mega gargant in one turn and back in aos2 and you could stack command points and i think probably the cave spawn change the the sort of change that you can't stack command points anymore is probably the biggest hit to bulgors i think if we could still do that with cave spawn they would still be decent because that's three damage minus two rend, and then that would make up for the for the issues, the spike damage from cave spawn. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was I was just doing a quick look because everyone's talking about like they should be two inch reach, and you're right. And Matt's like, no, they're they're two inches, and I actually just looked at my phone, and no, they're all both the bulgor axe, the great axe, and the horns are all one inch, unless there's an update I've missed or a change in the FAQ. They're all one inch by the looks of it, which yeah. makes me sad. Yeah, you they they wish they had the rocket troll scroll which is basically the same but hit on threes two inch reach <laughs> i want to pull up a comment from hello world that i was kind of burning on um which is a really good one and that when you know as a sons player i i almost destroyed a herdstone once and i had the decision it was like round five <laughs> it was it was, sorry, it was it was it was turn five it was destroy the herdstone or win the game with the with the objectives and i went for the and i was an idiot i went for the win <laughs> as opposed to destroying i've never destroyed a herdstone that now that it's not just the gatebreaker who can destroy terrain, it's actually now everyone can destroy things and turn things into rubble. Have you found, and and in my experience, especially those like Gore and Ungore kind of builds, they've been very heavily focused on the the Hearthstone. Have you found that as an issue with with turning things into rubble? People aren't you know even worried about it. Like, where are you at with that? Yeah, I'm not too worried about it, like, turn one, because you have the six-inch pregame move from Angor Raiders. So you just deploy your Herdstone in such a way that your six-inch 
pregame move. So one good thing about the Herdstone is now it's anywhere in your territory. It used to be 12 inches from enemy territory. Yeah. So you can move it up actually ahead of where you deploy. So just make sure when you put your Herdstone down that when your Angor Raiders make their 6-inch pregame move, that they're making a bubble to prevent that Herdstone from getting charged. Now, you could also use it as bait, right? If your opponent sees your Herdstone undefended and they, they charge whatever in there, and it's on a three up to destroy it. So like if you're a gambling man or, or woman, so you can gamble that your opponent does something silly like that and just puts their interesting piece right there in the Hearthstone. Or if they fail, they're at minus one save and you can mop them up with, say, Enlightened or something like that. Um, yeah, so so I've, I've lost it once. And in the last tournament I played, I lost it to a Makrasha. But I left it open as bait, so I had moved everything off the Herdstone onto the objectives, and the Maw Crusher decided to go into the Herdstone and fight some other stuff. But by doing that, he wasn't contesting the objective. He destroyed the Herdstone, but yeah, you want to protect it until you everything is chaff in the army. Even your Herdstone is chaff in a way, or bait. <laughs> so what I, what what I will yeah. say though about the Herdstone is, as an opponent fighting you with your Herdstone. It is the third option that I would consider with my monstrous rampage. I want to roar at you. I want to stomp at you. Rub, turn things to rubble is like low on my priority list. Um, yeah, I I would do it first over roar or stomp because you're probably destroying whatever unit you're fighting anyway. But it's going to be difficult <laughs> to get into it early enough to make a difference because also destroying the herdstone, you destroy its minus one save aura but you can still um, do the summoning from it uh, like you can still sacrifice on it because it's not on the war scroll and often like him you don't have anything offensive left anyway as a beast of chaos player so the minus one save very late game often doesn't matter it's often like you have two models on the board <laughs> yeah. trying to hold on desperately uh, so like i'd say turn four or five it's not such a big deal if you lose it but if your opponent can get into your hearthstone early that's going to be very bad and I think to, to to Cedric's point here, you know, they lost it to a Leviathan. And I think one of the challenges that I've had with taking out Herdstones is that it's hard just to get to because you've got so much chaff because you're charging me or you're blocking me off. Unless I have a flying monster with a small base, it is and and you know, you're you're if you play it right, it's very hard to get to unless you have something special. Um to get to it, but just generally my monsters who are walking or flying up the board, it's it's easy to protect. It's yeah, probably another probably priority for me. Yeah, and as a Beasts of Chaos player, you generally want to play low drop in most cases so that you can actually take first turn and sort of alpha chaff. It's an alpha chaff strategy because you've got some very fast chaff that can get up the board and take up space. It's not your Ungors and Gores anymore. Don't don't do that. Use Senegors and Warhounds because they're not battle lines, so your opponent can't score a battle tactic from destroying them. And Warhounds, so Warhounds and Centigors, they both do almost the same thing. So the Warhounds have 10-inch move, and they auto-run 6. You're moving 16 inches. You get 10 of them on 60 mil bases. You turn them sideways, and you make two suicide triangles at the end. And you don't care if someone kills one, because they're on a 6-up save. <laughs> so like <laughs> your opponent, if they do any damage to it, it's got bad bravery. You're going to lose them anyway. <laughs> I remember so someone summoning Chaos Warhounds in the, my backfield, and I just lolled at them like, I don't care. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, what, what were they doing, some of them, in your backfield? 
think, I think they'll that. try. I think they'll. I think I was. I, I think they were trying to go for an objective. I was playing Sun, oh, so I've okay. got no chaff. And they're like, yeah. "There's a perfect spot." They're like, "The nine-inch charge for the objective." Mm. And I'm like, "I'm not even going to try to like. I'll just throw a rock at them, and they'll run away." <laughs> but I was yeah. thinking, your break, your your Hearthstone has a battle shock immunity at one particular point, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so I wouldn't rely on it. The problem is, it's only six inches. Turn one. And it grows six inches per turn. So uh, turn one is doing nothing. Like three Bulgors are six inches across if you line them up in a line. <laughs> so that's a very tiny bubble. And you can't put anything on the Hearthstone anymore because um, it's impassable. Uh... So you can't you can't crowd around the Hearthstone. I think what you want to do is if you have Enlightened, put the Enlightened in that aura because they're very fast. Your Bray Shaman's near the Hearthstone, so he's giving them the speed buff. But for the most part, I wouldn't rely on it until... Like turn three, it starts to matter because it's going to be an eighteen-inch aura. Um, yeah, I guess my call out was only yeah. my, my only call out was going to be that was one of the other changes to keep in mind, and maybe one of the disincentives for running lots of gore and ungore, and is the fact that one, you don't get the plus one bravery for every ten, uh, and then two, you only get one um, inspiring presence per battle or ter per turn. So if you mm. get that herdstone kind of bubble kind of working, it's a nice little counter, but it also is a disincentive to go um, with lots of gore, gore and ungore because one, you can only double reinforce or double reinforce as well as how do you handle Battleshock immunity with low bravery, low armor saves. And, yeah. you know, Jack is, is mentioning there, you know, gore, ungore raiders used to be quite decent and you are giving a lot of way if, you know, your opponent kills you for broken ranks, but there's some re-rolls in there you can tap into. Yeah, so Ungor Raiders are not battle lines, so you don't have to worry about broken ranks. So that's actually good. Um, bad news, you can only take 20. And Has it they changed? Don't Angus is, yeah, I was going to say, Angus is so, mentioning down below that it's a, a plus one. Yeah, plus one to wound. So you can take 20, and you're hitting on fours, wounding on threes, no rend. It's one shot each. I wouldn't rely on using them for shooting. They're really the pregame screen. So they move the six inches, They, and they're pretty fast because they're six-inch move plus three from the Bray Shaman, so that's nine inches. And then you get run plus one, and they can run and shoot. Uh, your shooting might do like one damage or two damage or whatever, but you use them for a forward screen as well. They do, they give you a pregame screen to protect your herds on your units, and they just run them up. And then behind you've got your Warhounds or Centigors and other stuff establishing more layers of trash <laughs> for your opponent to fight. And none of that's battle lines, so your opponent's not scoring broken ranks fighting your your trash. Yeah. I, I just had a crack idea, and then I've got one more question, and then I want to kind of move to, to um, maybe some other thoughts. One, my crack idea is, what are your thoughts on putting three Saigor or, or Gorgon or monsters in Alpha Beast Pack? Or, or you know, Alpha Beast Pack's minimum two. Would you consider putting double Gorgon in Alpha Beast Pack for the pre-game move and like go ham? No, don't so that's don't charge you don't charge with Beastmen unless you absolutely have to. <laughs> you have to accept your Gorgon is slow and they're gonna sit back there until your opponent chews through your trash and then is ready to fight your Gorgon. So I know don't, I knew don't it wasn't list tech, but I'm like <laughs> I'm like Alpha Beast Pack because you got two, you got Hunters of the Heartland and Alpha yeah. Beast Pack, which work well. And I'm like, oh, maybe there's something in there. Maybe you can put some of your monsters in an Alpha Beast Pack and move it up. But you're like, no, nah, it's oh, no, don't, don't, don't even do bother. It. If you if you run your monsters up, you're losing them um, immediately. 
on your opponent's turn and they're scoring the one extra victory point, save your monsters to sit on the objectives or uh, hold on. You want to, your monsters aren't that scary. So you want to um, fight stuff that they can take out, especially the Gorgon, because when he takes out a unit, he heals D3. So you want him to be fighting stuff that he'll delete in one phase. So something like five liberators, he, he can deal with five liberators. Um, he can deal with like 10 of, I don't know, 10 great swords. He should take care of them. Something like that. You don't want to be charging into your opponent's army and they can bring all of their guns or whatever Marathi <laughs> to bear on your, on your Gorgon. They're going to die. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Josh has made an interesting point around, you know, getting monsters to, to generate you additional battle tactics. But then there's the other side of the fence, which is um, in each battle round or in each turn, if you lose a monster, you give away a victory point. So I guess if you're going to get out a monster build, and this kind of is a, a double-edged sword for you because you've got cheap monsters, um, every time I kill one of your cheap monsters, you're giving away one victory point. So if you're going to do something like that, you need to build you need to get more victory points from free monsters or the like the free monster uh, victory points then you're giving away and yeah exactly yeah you have to think about like how many extra victory points am i going to gain from each monster um so Joel is saying triple chimera and alpha beast pack. So <laughs> triple that's my chimera type of list. is interesting. That's, 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 that is my type of list. I love cock meta. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was excited to see, was it Adam in the UK running like nothing but cockatrice? It was like 17 cockatrice <laughs> at one point. Um, but yeah. I, think, I think it's an interesting point, like alpha beast pack using cockatrice. Um could actually be quite a, a, a so interesting So I don't think it works with builds. cockatrice because they're not behemoths. They're just oh, they artillery? Like chimera. Uh, I, th I think they're just monster, the, the cockatrice, but Chimera is a behemoth, so you could do it with... Yeah, okay. So Joel is much bolder than I am. I'm I'm much more of a defensive player. When I played Game of Spawn, I rarely did that sort of spike damage. I was using it mostly for heroes turning into spawns. So I'm sure Joel could make it work. You have to, you have to make the trash work for you. <laughs> you pick whatever you like. Yeah, actually, yeah, I think Cockatrice. I think you, yeah. they're not they're not behemoths, so they don't fit into yeah. the same um, with the Shagos. The He's not back. a behemoth either. Yeah. This this was the ask the last question I actually wanted to to ask you before we kind of transition to your list um, or maybe get some other quick thoughts was um, where are you at from like and this is probably one of my favorite changes for Beasts of Chaos is the coalition rules and in second edition the only way you could really get those marks of chaos gods was fixed in a battalion you know you had to take a certain battalion to unlock slanesh nurgle whatever it might be and in some of the lists or the some of the battalions they just weren't that good um what you wanted in a slanesh battalion actually wasn't the the, the models you had to take um that's, that's just an example but now yeah. you've got these coalition stuff how has that changed your list building you thinking about the synergies like how does that working for you so personally i i did run like slanesh beasts at one point when slanesh was was op <laughs> when, this is when this is everything fight last on a two plus slanesh yeah so i i i just like i didn't practice with the army at all i just put together a slanesh list used some proxies for keepers of secrets and i think i came second in a tournament with no no like practice or anything because slanesh was just so busted i I don't think you're getting that much value from playing Beastmen and other armies as like your your main sort of build. I think the Corn Beastmen build is still interesting with with Bulgors because the Blood Secretor and the Wrathmongers are 
can stack together give them two extra attacks. So when you're getting into four attacks with three damage, and and you've got your um, your slaughter priest or war shrine giving them plus one to hit, so they they do become good. I think bulgors are still good in corn. Um, but if you're if you're a true beast lord and you want to run mostly beastman models, so I think it's one in four in all of the god armies. So you're you're going to have to take things like reavers and whatever to fill out your battle line, and you're not getting as much fun chaos goats and minotaurs and stuff in, in yeah. corn. Yeah, I mean it, it does allow you to get into some of the um, the weaknesses, right? Like you could bring in a greater demon. You could bring in, yeah, yeah, no, because you, you, you can you can bring man. in, yeah. So so we can. I think slaves to darkness is our only ally choice, but it's a great one, ah. right? So I think you almost always want to ally in either Bellacor, a corn demon prince, or maybe the. Grunok one eye, the the Mega Guardian. I think when you start writing your list, you probably want to think about which of those three you're taking as your as your ally, because they bring so much value to Beastmen. So uh, Bellacor in particular is is an obvious choice because he got very interesting with the Broken Realms book. He's only 360 points. He's 14 wounds, four up save, ethereal, which is great. So he's not affected by the herdstone like other allies are. So he can safely hang around the herdstone range. And once your opponent chews through some trash, they're hopefully with that minus one save aura. So Bellacor is on minus three rend with a sword. You can yeah. use tendrils of atrophy to make that minus four. You can use the Shagoth spell, which works on friendly models to make that minus five. So you can have Bellacor with minus five rend on a sword, and you're sort of playing in that hero monster area. And plus his his tech with shutting down the big hero monsters on your opponent's side, like like Archeon, the, Alariel. The Dark, the dark Master stuff is just, yeah, that, that's that's one yeah. way you can counter some of these big you know mega heroes. Cool, shut you off with Dark Master, you can't do what you want to do. Yeah, it's such a strong ability. And the Corn Demon Prince is is sort of better than Bellacor, I think, against really melee-heavy armies, because he shuts down a lot of stuff. But if your opponent is bringing shooting, then I think Bellacor is interesting. If you have more shooting in your meta, if they've got like big blocks of 30 Sentinels, because he can shut those off too. It's not just the melee heroes that you can shut off. Yeah. So I think you, probably your list design is starting with who is your ally. Is it Bellacor? Is it the Corn Demon Prince or the Mega Garkin? At least in my opinion. Um, I know some beastman purists wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, at least yeah. with the mega gargan and like every stream, if you if, if people watch this stream, Jonathan is just like my my son's you know aficionado, and I was always asking about sons in everyone else's army. <laughs> but you know, you've got a thirty-five wound pin cushion that is a hero and a monster, so you can tap into both. Um, they're very self-sufficient. Obviously, you can't put on an amulet of destiny or any artifacts on them, but. You know, they're overall, because you've got the gate. No, you haven't got the gate breaker. You've got the war stomper. Yeah, so Grunach One Eye is the war stomper one that we get. So I took this list to Masters, actually, with, uh, with the war stomper, the New Zealand Masters, which was in, in May. So that was still AOS 2. And I took him because the Masters committee didn't approve my Bellacor proxy. <laughs> I wanted to use Morger as my Bellacor, and, and they made some comment that Morger is dead. And he's totally not. <laughs> that was one of the reasons for not approving him. So I was like, whatever, I've got this uh, Mega Gargant that's like mostly painted. So I just took him and I put together a random list. And, and I came fifth at Masters. 
and it was mostly luck, honestly, with good matchups. Yeah, you've got you've got you've got <laughs> the New Zealand team is you know you you've got you know so many great players over in New Zealand. Um, I need to get more of them back on the channel. Sean's um, looking yeah. at both of you, and as you know, James Page, and like you got some great players over yeah, there. Yeah, luckily, um, Mr. Cancon was toing. Uh, so yes, I didn't have I to saw face that. Mr. Cancon, but I did lose to one of the Shans to his KO army and to and to Bo's eels. So I lost the two games that were really against me, but I won the other ones where I did have a chance. And and the Mega was really good. So I think the the best thing about the Mega actually is his picking up models ability. So if you read the War Scroll, it says you do it at any point in the combat phase. It doesn't say after you pile in. So yeah. what you do is like you you fight, you wait for your opponent to fight. Because if you fight first, he's projecting a minus one to hit aura within six inches. So you fight first, your opponent fights, and then you say, okay, I'm going to pick up your model. And hopefully you break coherency. So I play it's it cheese. Against... It's cheese. It's full cheese. Yeah. Like you, you, will, you will win no sports points from your opponents if you do this. But it's 100% legal because you're right. Like you can pick a model out because normally yeah. – uh, normally, some of the rules are you would you know charge and then like at the start of the combat phase you pull a model out. But I think you're right, the war stomper it's a little bit of a different one, and you pull it out at any time. So if you do it at right at the end, they've piled in, they've stretched themselves. Yes, they're in unit coherency, but if you start pulling models out, um, especially if they're on like 32 mils and above. Yeah, so um, so what happened, I did it three times during the Masters tournament. That's the only tournament I've taken the Mega to. So game one, I played Tim Lind, and I had my Ungor Raider screen set up in front of my Mega. I was running at him because he was shooting me with catapults, did like, I think like 15 wounds with his stupid Mortec crawlers to my Mega. And then, uh, so I had my Raider screen in front of the Mega. I uh, charged some Gores into the back of his 40 Mortec, and I was dumb. And they were able to, because they were in combat now, they were able to pile in to the raider screen. I was like, oh, crap, I'm losing my screen. But uh, coincidentally, I mean, I totally didn't do this on purpose, I admit. I had the mega right behind there within three inches. And I was like, oh, well, these Mortec have fought. They're stretched out because they've been tagged by Gores on the other side. And he didn't have them in contact, so he had a bit of space. So I pick out one Mortec. And I think I killed like 30 Mortec Guard with his attacks and breaking coherency in that one phase. <laughs> and then Archon did like 15 mortal wounds with Curse of Years and killed my Mega. But <laughs> it was it helped me for sure. <laughs> and I did just Phoenix it. Guard. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, uh, I, I remember Marathi did yeah. that once because her old gaze used to do that, yeah. and she did did it to a unit of thirty Phoenix Guard of mine, and I was a salty bay. I was so annoyed that Marathi <laughs> did that to me, um, and yeah, you won't win friends, but it's uh, it, you can do it. Yeah, so it's it's actually not as good as the Gorgon ability in terms of what you can pick up because the Gorgon you roll the d6, and if you get wounds or above, so like a four wound model, you need a four plus to eat it. Uh, the Mega, when he's on full profile, you add plus two to the roll, but you need to double the wounds characteristic. So like against eels, it's not going to be very easy. I think you need to roll a six to pick up an eel. But if you're fighting like Mortec or Annihilators or something like that, easy to pick him up, yeah. break coherency. Um, that's, that, that's I think, the one of the big benefits of the War Stomper. Um, yeah, so he's but it, is, it is like 500 points. It is 500 points, but you yeah. are getting a super durable 35 wound model. Um, 
a hero, something to consider on an objective, count as five on the objective. Um, all that defense means it's on a three-up armor save. Um, yeah. If it's a good option. Yeah, you do have to be careful because the herdstone placement is further up now, so you don't want that mega getting into the herdstone. So you sort of want to play him more on the flanks and clean up stuff on the on the flanks and almost end up behind your opponent, so they're in the herdstone aura and you're not, because uh, you really don't want your mega getting stuck <laughs> in the herdstone aura uh, and getting the minus one. So Bellacor is immune, which is why Bellacor is a safer option with the herdstone, and I think he's better yeah. overall than the mega um, in yeah. in the current meta. Yeah, I, I would probably, I would yeah. probably, um, yeah, a mega with that artifact in a beast of chaos army. I think you're right. Bellacore probably would be a, a good option to bring in as a coalition. Yeah. One thing I, I want to ask before, because I'm going to forget. I knew, I knew I was going to forget it. And I almost forgot it was the endless spells, and you know, you almost never left home without the bullfire Taurus. The wildfire always fights Taurus. last. The wildfire Taurus. Um, has yeah. that changed? Like, like, has it changed like endless spells? Because that was always like you took it. It was people took it because it was a great spell. You made people fight last. Yeah, that was a game winner before for sure. Like, because you don't do that much damage, but if you could get multiple units into a unit that's fighting last uh, with the wildfire tours, because that's what it does. What it did before was every unit it passes over. Um, it fights at the end of the combat phase, and you do D3 mortal wounds if it's less than 10 and d6 if it's more than 10 so it was decent damage as well uh with the taurus and like if your opponent puts too much stuff in the middle you get the taurus through everything and even though your damage output isn't great when you're basically playing Ideneth deepkin like everything's fighting last <laughs> you're playing uh high tide with your goats uh tide of goats then you can actually kill stuff so when that spell went off and if your opponent either didn't decide to dispel it or um, or fail to dispel it, then you could really get gonna, a lot of value out of it. I would just go second, so I get to control it. I'm like, yeah, I love yeah. controlling the, the the bull. But is it, has that changed for three E now? Like, are you still taking yeah. it? No, I wouldn't take it. So the problem it got, is, it got rewritten, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, the scroll got rewritten, and it's also I think like 120 points, so it's quite yeah, expensive. Yeah. We don't have any casting bonuses in the army, um, so it's not that reliable and. What it does now is it's enemies that are within three inches of it fight at the end of the combat phase, and it can also affect our units. So it's I think it's just units within three inches fight at the end of the combat oh. phase. So you have to be careful with your positioning. So you can sort of use it like a trap. Like you could put it in front of in front of your unit, and your opponent has to get in the aura when it's charging, and you're trying to stay out of the aura. But before it was just you move over, you tag it, and they're they're fighting at the end of the combat phase. So, like, if you hit a Terrorgeist with it, then they zoom across the board to fight something else on the other side of the board. They're still fighting last, but now it's mm. it's more localized and where you can apply it. And the damage is a bit lower because it's on a two-up, you do D3 now, whereas before it was automatically D3. Whatever, yeah. and, um, and I think the initial setup range is a bit, bit lower because before it was 24-inch range, basically. You set up within 12, moves 12. So with a Shagoth casting it, he's moving D6 inches up before he casts it, so you could get good range on the Taurus before, and now you're not getting as much as much range on it. So I I don't think it's it's very good. I think if it went down in points, if it was back to 80 points where it was before, I think I would think about it. But Beastman I mean, just you aren't. Do a, get, yeah, 
you you do get to use it twice though. I think unlike what it was in second edition, you get to move it in both you and your opponent's turn. I think you, you as you kind of pointed it up though, the challenge is, is that uh, it is 110 points. You don't have a lot of consistency, and there's a lot of high magic dominance in the meta right now. And I know even um, I've been playing with the Blood Snake in my Daughters of Cain army, and there's plenty of times where I can't even get that spell off with Marathi, so, and that's and that's 90 points. So if I haven't got that on the table. Um, and I can't get it on the table because I'm fighting a Teclas, a Nagash, uh, an Archeon, or whatever it might be, like that could be points that could be going somewhere else, especially if you're not getting a lot of value from some of your units. Yeah, and your opponent also gets more chances to unbind it now as well because they can unbind in both hero phases. So, And even against armies that don't have magic, like, um, I don't know, let's say you're playing just pure Beast Claw. Uh, you had no wizards. You can still use that heroic action to try and unbind it if if you needed to. Well, priests priests can now unbind yeah. spells too, so the priest can get rid of it. And I believe did it you'd go up in points as so up in casting value. So getting off on a seven, um, yeah. I believe it's gone <laughs> up a little too. So like I think they've made it tough. Do the other endless spells find a space? You've got the flocking birds in the. You got the the tooty matoot horn. I'm I, sure I they've got real names. Them. So I actually think that the lore spells are one of the strengths of Beasts of Chaos, and I think I would rather cast the lore spells instead. We don't have good casters in the sense of double casters, bonuses to cast, but we have excellent lore spells, and I don't see why I would cast one of those instead of the lore spells. I think Shackles are the interesting spell I would take. Maybe even Cogs, because uh, just because the Shagoth's War Scroll spell is good, and like, if you have Grashrak, his War Scroll spell is good, and you can have a good lore spell, so that might be interesting. I'd say probably Shackles would be my first choice, and Cogs is the second choice for an endless spell. I don't think I would take any of our faction ones. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a couple of really good endless spells, you know, and there's a lot of really good options, but I guess what I'm hearing is Beast of Chaos, endless spells, maybe low on that priority list right now. Yeah, I spent, like, 30 something hours painting my Taurus. So I hope that they make it great again. <laughs> oh, I'm sad. Um, no, this has, been, this has been really interesting. I'm actually going to bring up your list now. Um, so I actually want to kind of put this around the bones. I guess I had so many questions on on your army. And and while I bring this up, I know Jack from Rerolling Ones had a question around um, do you have a, say, a favorite sub faction? Or I think you've got, you've got herds. Do you have a particular favorite one? Yeah, so uh, before I used to play Cave Spawn, and um, I know Joel uses it um, for the damage, for that spike damage. So you save up the command points, and then you would blow things up with your Bulgores or Bestigores. Um, so I really liked it because heroes can turn into spawn on a two up when they die. And you place them within six inches, so you have quite a lot of room to place your spawns. And that still works in AOS 3. So your heroes basically become chaff. Once you're your chaff is dead, and you've got your brave shaman sitting there in front of your enemy, charge them in, and then they, they die. Hopefully they survive a turn, and then your opponent has to deal with this little brave shaman tagging their unit. They kill your brave shaman, he becomes a spawn, you set him up within six inches, maybe next to a shooting unit. They can't unleash hell because they've... So, and that that is a game winner, so uh, people would see one little brave shaman sitting on an objective back in AOS 2. They would send like say, uh, so when I played Tim's um, OBR at Masters, so we sent Archon in to kill the Bray Shaman, and like the Bray Shaman somehow tanked Archon. I have no idea how that happened. But if he had died on a two-up, he becomes a spawn, set him back up on the objective, and I'm still holding that objective. So I win either way. 
and and that sort of thing with Gabe Spawn is I think what makes it really good. I played against the Gabe Spawn and actually the um I remember killing one of my heroes and it turned uh, or I, I think I killed I can't remember how what the sequence was, but all of a sudden I was in combat with a spawn and then the spawn spiked its its combat profile. I think it had like a random like was it 2d6 attacks? I think he hit like 11 attacks. He he like he nailed like the hits and the wounds on the model. And I think we both looked at each other and went, how the fuck did this chaos spawn <laughs> just completely spike? Um, but people are pumped already on this chat. So I might go through the list because people are already going, uh, it's nice <laughs> to see an Underworld's Warband in the list. Gave spawn, I, I initially rubbished it. I'm like, eh, chaos spawn, who cares? I'm like, yeah. all right, no, I take this serious. This um, beast lord is just um, like, I, I did not appreciate how good the Beast Lord was at that point. But you've gone Predator's Domain. Um, you haven't told me your triumphs. I'm sure you'll tell me um, what triumph you're going for. You don't care because you're on you're on 2K. Yeah. Um, but you got, you, I'd you probably got your... I'd take the reroll charge one if I was at less than 2,000. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a decent one. Um, although, is it, yeah, there's a couple of good ones in there, but a 2K yeah. doesn't really matter. Yeah, so sub-factions, uh, Gabe Spawn's great. Dark Walkers, I think, are interesting for scoring that one where you want to get two monsters into your opponent's territory. I think All Herd is probably the weakest one because um, you would turn CP into summoning points, and you can only do that once now. Uh, but I know uh, Darren Parks in the UK, I think he's still running them just, just to top up his summoning. So I think all of them are viable. Um, but I think at the moment, No Herd is pretty interesting. Um, so that's what I've done here. Um, and by the way, and by the way, Josh yeah. has made a good comment about the Beast Lord. It did get changed. There was a couple of War Scroll changes in Broken Realms Craggy, and the Beast Lord and the Jabba Slythe were the two big changes. But you also got some extra rules, so you got um, extra rules for all three of the um, the different. Yeah, I think things. the Beast Lord is a big loser. Same with the the Jabber was never great, at least still not great from Broken Realms. Yeah. Um, all right. So your list, let's talk your list. Let's go into the list. I'm going to read it out just for the people who join us later on the podcast uh, or people want to hear my Australian accent, uh, although I went into a completely different weird European accent just then. But you've got yourself the Slaves of the Darkness, Demon Prince. This is Chef's Kiss. This model should be in every Chaos Players list that can take it. Um, I hate it so much, but I also <laughs> appreciate why it's in the list. And we'll get to why you love it in a second. It is Mark Corn. Who cares about every other demon prince that isn't corn? You've got your dragon, Ogre Shagoth, which is the general, master of magic, amulet of destiny, hailstorm as a spell. You've got yourself the uh, Gasharak, um, which is the Underworld's Warband. So you've got that and obviously the spoilers with there in the list. You've got your Zangor Shaman in, it's got the Tendrils. You've got six Dragon Ogres, three Dragon Ogres, ten Ungors. You've got six Enlightened on disc. You've got three Enlightened on disc. You've got ten Ungor, ten Chaos War, Chaos War, Chaos Warhounds. Five centigors and obviously the spoilers. This is not a list I would have expected from <laughs> you, and it certainly does not feel too e at all. Like if I, if you were to tell me like here's my basic cast list, I don't think people would have built a list like this. So I'd love to understand a bit more about where and how and what type of list this is and what are you building around. Like talk to me through some of this these crazy shenanigans. <laughs> Yeah, so like I said, your choice, I think, when building your Beast of Chaos list is first, do you want Bellacor or do you want um, the Demon Prince as your ally choice? Uh, the alternate list, you can 
sort of just slot out the take out the demon prince, put in Bellacor, and you can. Um, there's two interesting things you could have done with Bellacor. Like you could buff his rend, give him reroll wounds with beast. There's two spells that target friendly units. You could do that and basically run the same list. But this one is sort of. So my thinking is, um, I want to win the matchups where I have a chance, and I know I'm going to play. Zinch is going to just destroy this demon prince. But if I play, say. I think Ideneth would really hate this list. I think Korn would really hate this list. I think OBR would absolutely OBR would absolutely just lose to this list. I think there's no way an OBR player wins against this list unless they're running a one drop. And so you have a lot of really good matchups and you're gonna lose some other ones against like Zinch or Lumineth or something like that, the heavy shooting armies. As a sons and a daughters player who isn't using the bow snakes, I hate the demon prince with a passion. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So, so Bezakaus fans, listen in on why it's in the list and why you might want to consider this in your list. And I think some people are interested to hear a bit of list takers roll around the 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 Zangor. I think you know for people who aren't they're probably not thinking about that traditionally, but. Um, yeah, some good stuff yeah, there so, with, the, with the Enlightened. Yeah, so really the key to this list is the two models, the Demon Prince and the Shagoth. So I was talking about the Shagoth uh, running the defensive build with um, adamantine scales or something to give him a three-up save characteristic. But here I've given him Master of Magic so he can re-roll his cast. So his spell is Hailstorm. He's got the Amulet of Destiny as well because you want him to live. So him and the Demon Prince are the two most important models in this list. Hailstorm, 21-inch range, have move, run, and charge. And the Demon Prince has run and charge with a command point. So uh, the Shagoth also, he gets a D6-inch move at the start of the hero phase. So you're getting 21 inches plus D6 on that, um, on that cast. Hopefully you've you've picked arcane terrain on your side of the board, so you're getting plus one to cast. If you have the choice, make sure you put that Shagoth on the arcane terrain. So you're, and this is a two-drop list, by the way, so ideally you're going first, you're casting Hailstorm, getting your Demon Prince up, you're establishing your chaff lines with your raiders, your centaurs, your warhounds, you're just sitting three inches out from your opponent's lines, and your Demon Prince is projecting this aura that's having run and charge rolls and you cast Hailstorm on whatever you don't want to be charging your screen. So like, if your opponent's got like 30 Mortec Guard in front of their main line, you cast it on the Mortec Guard. If they've got Gotrek, you cast it on Gotrek. Gotrek is not getting anywhere. And um, so that's quartering your opponent's charge roll and their run roll. So a three inch charge, they have to roll a 12 to make that charge into your chaff line. If they have any charge bonuses, or just if you want to be a dick, just redeploy one inch they can't make the charge uh even a one inch redeploy that's going to be a 16 inch charge that they have to make whatever unit you've cast hailstorm on um and and even if you don't get your hailstorm off so he's having your your charge rolls the demon prince so a three inch charge they need to roll a six if you redeploy an extra three inches so they're going to need to roll a 12 to make that charge so just an average redeploy makes it really hard for your opponent to get into combat and ideally you get that spell off to make it even impossible and that might be a couple of quick yeah. call-outs there is one, the fact that it's 21-inch range. The table's obviously got shorter, right? So straight off, you're in range quicker. Two, redeploy is probably going to be one of the most important command abilities you can learn, and that's going to win or lose your games uh, or win and lose your opponent games. You know, being able to deny an opponent a battle tactic, they, they've, they've chosen at the start 
that their tactic is going to be kill battle line, kill hero, whatever it is. And then they set up for the charge and then they redeploy away. One, you've made the charge harder. Two, you can only you, you can only re-roll the charge once with a command point. So if they've already used it, life's harder. But then you've added this extra layer. And I just want to I just want to connect the dots for anyone who might not see this just yet. Is that, let's talk about the demon prince alone. You have the move and the charge and the run. So I think it's right? just run and charge for demon prince, but Shagoth spells is move, run and charge. Yes. Yeah. So if you're worried about Gotrek, right? Gotrek is is you know causing havoc in the meta. Has a move of four. He's now he's moving, moving two. two. <laughs> Just with Hailstorm, he's moving two. Yeah. Great. You've then halved the run. So even if they spend a command point to get a six inch run, he's now moved five. That's that's a run. Um, and Gotrek, I don't think can run and charge in any. I don't think it's any way you can make him run and charge. Enough. He oh, couldn't hide enough with the sub-faction that lets allies get whatever. Oh, that's right. There's some weird yeah. jank there. Um, but even though... But, yeah, yeah but like, we're talking one specific build. You know, Marathi, Gotrek, yeah. you don't have to worry about that. Um, but then if you think about the charge and you're halving the charge distance, you know, an average seven is now really a four. Um, and if you go redeploy, which is a command point, and you can move forward or back wherever you want to go up to d6 inches if you get that as you said three four five because you've halved the the, the charge roll you've made it impossible to charge you thus denying them the battle tactic and they waste their buffs in that so that, that's just like one example of this kind of coming into play yeah, yeah, it can be really good to frustrate an opponent that doesn't have the shooting to remove the demon prince or your your shag off um so you can make sure that gotrek is in his deployment for most of the game <laughs> and really piss them off well um, i mean like I, I piss them <laughs> off counter them i think it's i think that's where the this game is one on movement and you know any any yeah. strong player knows that it's not about killing your opponent it's about the movement game and um i think being able to manipulate and stop people from moving or getting them Stopping stopping key pieces from being able to buff other units, or um, like there's just so many things out there. Yeah, I think if you wanted to make a list that was more fun for you and your opponent, maybe if you if if you don't uh, enjoy preventing your opponent from playing as much, just put Bellacor in and enjoy buffing Bellacor and playing the monsters game. Uh, but I think this list does really well against melee armies, and the yeah. we have really fast garbage, so. Your your Ungor Raiders they get the six inch pregame move and you're closer together now, and then they're moving another six inches. That's twelve inches already. Bray Shaman adds three inches. That's fifteen inches. Then they run and they automatically add one to their run roll. So minimum um, seventeen inches, I think. And you could get up to like twenty one or twenty two inches up. So you're sitting three inches out from them, and. Your Ungor Raiders make a suicide triangle, whatever. Your opponent's going to kill a Raider. They're going to all die from Battleshock anyway. I played a game where I lost like half my army to Volcanic Terrain. <laughs> so Battleshock is a real concern. Who cares if you have suicide triangles on the end? You run your Warhounds up as well. They've got 60 mil bases. You have 10 of them. One wound each, six up save, whatever. You can make suicide triangles with them. You probably want one unit with a suicide triangle per turn so that your opponent 
targets. That by the way, by the way, just for anyone who's, who, who, who's confused yeah. about this terminology, what is a suicide triangle? So uh, with the no coherency rule, so you need two models within one inch of each model when you're above five. So say you have 10 Chaos Warhounds. So what you want to do is um, have eight Chaos Warhounds in a line strung out one inch apart. That's a like 29 inches or 27 inches of board space you're covering. And then you put another two on each end to maintain coherency. Uh, the obvious problem is as soon as you lose one model, uh, everything just blows up until you're down to five models left. Um, but it's not an issue with Jeff. You do have to, obviously you wouldn't, if you're running Bestigors for some strange reason, you don't want to make suicide triangles with your Bestigors. That's a bad idea because uh, <laughs> that's an expensive unit now. But with Chaos Warhounds, you lose five, whatever, five Chaos Warhounds are still covering a lot of board space. So it's 60 mil bases, one inches apart, turn sideways, you're Tokyo drifting up the board with your Warhounds, <laughs> blocking, <laughs> blocking space. <laughs> your Centigore is also 60 mil bases, put them one inch apart. Um, yeah. yeah. And obviously once and, they go down to yeah. five or less, then the coherency rules changes. So once they've taken a couple yeah. of wounds, you don't have to worry nearly as much about coherency. Obviously, you still you do, don't. but it's not as as restricting as it is once you're above five. Yeah, and um, and the Centigors are interesting because, like, the Centigors, Raiders, and Warhounds, they're all non-battle line chaff units that are very fast. So the Warhounds are 16 inches move. The Raiders, you can move, like, 23 or something. And the Centigors, they're moving base 14 inches, I believe. Add three from the Bray Shaman, 17 inches. And then 18 inches or 19 inches minimum from your run. And you could take them up to pretty high if you max out your run roll. So if, if you're further apart from your opponent, I don't know if any of the battle plans, you're that far apart that you actually need that much movement. But you're almost guaranteed to be able to take get three inches out from your opponent with either the Can Centigors, I Raiders, or Warhounds. Yep. Can I just call that something that I just want to make sure that people have caught this point because I think it's a really good, a really good deliberate strategy that you've made here, and it's that your chaff is not battle line. Is that am I right there? Is that what you've done here? You've you've specifically chosen models, your first wave of trash, and I use air quotes <laughs> uh, for the podcast people that you are yep. purposely choosing trash units that you can throw at your opponent. Obviously, you're trying to, to, to deny models coming in from reserve, getting into the juicy stuff, denying objective control, all the good stuff, but you've chosen it in such a way that you can't lose to broken ranks because if yeah. they were the gores and ungores, that's, you're giving away cheap victory points. Yeah, the only uh, unit that's really vulnerable to broken ranks is the Ungors. So I have 10 Ungors in the list. That's a battle line unit. So I have six Dragonogres, three Dragonogres, 10 Ungors. And those are the only three battle line units that can your opponent can score broken ranks on. And if your opponent doesn't have shooting, like Sentinels will remove your 10 Ungors, like 30 Sentinels. But I mean, if your opponent's putting 30 Sentinels into 10 Ungors to score broken ranks, maybe that's not so bad if they really... You've, won. You've won the moral victory, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 30 Sentinels could have deleted your General and your and your Demon Prince in the same turn, probably. Um, yeah, so so I think keeping... And, and you want to keep your Dragon Ogres back, and, and when you do engage with them, don't engage with something that will kill them. And, and use your Shagoth as well, like hanging out with them to heal them and to um, give them uh, Mystic Shield, for example, and keep them alive and 
really try and deny broken ranks. Redeploy them if your opponent's going to come at them. And if your demon prince is hopefully alive, they won't be able to charge them. Um, so yeah, your opponent's fighting trash. They're going to struggle to get onto the objectives, to score broken ranks, to score most of their battle tactics. And eventually, they're probably going to make that charge and get into combat. But it's going to be too late to score objectives and battle tactics and come back, hopefully. That's the idea. No, I dig it. Talk to me about the combo you've got here, which is your Zangor Shaman, and then you've got, I assume is your combination, and then you've got a unit of six and a unit of three Zangor and Lighten. Because you traditionally see um, people take a unit of Lighten and then a unit of Skyfires for the, you know, the, um, the one-two punch, but you've gone double down on Enlightened. So I think I, I did run six Skyfire, six Enlightened before. Skyfires suffer a bit from coherency because they don't have two-inch reach. And I mm. think their shooting isn't that impressive. It was good when you could sort of chip off wounds off heroes over a turn or two. But with the healing, it's not as relevant, their shooting. And they, you could, I think three Skyfires are still interesting, but I would just prefer to run Enlightened. Um, because Enlightened, they reroll hit and wound rolls when they activate after your opponent. So as long as you're picking your battles well and you're going, say, tagging a unit on the side, like a bigger unit, um, probably not zombies because they have a six-inch pylon, but uh, some other unit, like three Enlightened will delete 20 models often when they attack second. If you just tag the unit, let them go first, pylon with the Enlightened, and they have a champion, so they can give themselves plus one to hit now. And so they usually hit on fours, but you could get them hitting on threes, wounding on threes, and they're re-rolling hits and wounds. And they've got three attack profiles, so you can get a good amount of damage out of that unit. Uh, so your Zangor Shaman's probably running with one of the units of Enlightened, and the other one's on its own. And the Zangor Shaman gives plus one to hit for the Enlightened with their spears and beaks, I believe, not their discs. So your both units are hitting on threes with most of their attacks. And because the Enlightened have two-inch reach, they're not as hurt by the coherency. Mm. Their discs and beaks have only one-inch reach, but like the, the spears are the main damage component of that unit. And I think also the Enlightened give you an ambush threat. So it might seem strange to ambush Enlightened because they're moving 14 inches uh, plus three inches from the Bray Shaman, which is Grashrak in this case. They're moving base 17 inches, so it might seem strange to ambush them. But people know that they're a scary unit, and you ambush your three enlightened, and they have to respect that. And with beastmen, you don't want to fight anyway. So you're probably not getting into any relevant combats till at least round two, or ideally round three. The longer you wait to fight, the better, because you're waiting for your Hearthstone aura to build. You don't want to be throwing units away. So you just you could even ambush both units if you want to. If you're playing a shooting army and you want to go all in, you could give your opponent first turn and ambush both of them and, and go for it. And you think you don't have any chance to win, but maybe you get those two nine-inch charges and you're enlightened, wipe out some stuff. So I, I used to do that against Skaven sometimes uh, when they had the, what do you call them, the Gisales and stuff that were really scary. Uh, but for the most part, your ambush is just, uh, just to make your opponent respect that and to deploy more stuff further back, which is then going to struggle to get up the board. Which is also interesting because yeah. what I'm noticing in the current meta is um, people are building more 
quote unquote death stars or they're bubble wrapping right so they're building this force and they're kind of moving it all up together and a lot of the time people don't protect the backs of their their bubbles um so either a you're going to force them to put some troops at the back which means they're not going to be forward which is they're not scoring objectives they're not getting into fights or they're going to leave that exposed and that's where you get to get into the juicy wizards priests buff wagons um whatever might yeah. be sitting behind the squishy stuff and yeah, and you're exactly. right zangor zangor do have a reputation and people have been scarred with them especially in first <laughs> and second ed but their bases are quite small and i think this is one of the challenges with with ambushing is if you don't have the right models to ambush you can zone people out but i'm also finding at the moment the current meta is people aren't going hordes you're not having nearly as many troops on the table because they're putting points into heroes, which means there's even though the board has shrunk, there's still plenty of space for you to put your Zangor on the on the table and ambush. Yeah, there. So the three Zangors are forty mil bases. So you can fit them in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, like I said, I'm not using this really offensively unless I'm going for a hail mary strategy. It's really to make your opponent respect that and deploy stuff further back. And if you if you don't have any intelligent place to ambush them, just ambush them in on in your backfield or on one of the sideboard edges because they can come on from any board edge. So well, your opponent do, do two um, of them and, and do the battle tactic. Just get you see the yeah, two free exactly. two, two points. Yeah, you do need to bring them on first turn. So um, wow. and usually you want to take first turn. So it's it's a little bit of suiciding them if you ambush them on first turn. Your opponent gets the turn, then doubles you. Um, I was th I was thinking for a second you could you could wait till turn four, but no, you no. Got to, we have the bad ambush, unfortunately. One. Hopefully, when we get our book, they'll give us the good ambush because steam tanks are sneakier than Ungor raiders now for some reason. Like living city steam tanks, just plowing through the Sylvaneth forests are somehow sneakier than our, <laughs> our Ungor raiders. Jeez, your angler, that must be noisy. Um, yeah, but like you, you got them as a threat. They're fast movers. Um, that's why you've also gone to enlightened as opposed to the the combination of the skyfire and the enlightened which is a very traditional build for them yeah i think the enlightened are better in combat um and they're cheaper than the skyfires um so so i i think when i would use the enlightened so if First, I would ambush the three enlightened to make your opponent respect that ambush. And the six enlightened, if your opponent has shooting, I might ambush them as well, just they're not shooting them. Uh, otherwise, I'd keep them around the herd stone so that when, when you're ready to activate them, they get they get the plus three-inch move from Grashrak and sort of fly into your opponent's backfield and cause problems. They have to decide whether they want to fight your chaff or fight these enlightened. You don't have to fight important units. You sort of, with Beastmen, you often want to take out your opponent's sort of supporting units so that they're stretched out thin and they've got like maybe they've got their terror guys left at the end but they have to deal with a lot of stuff stealing the objectives so you're usually not wanting to throw your enlightened into really scary stuff but just cause problems in the backfield and when they're activating second they're getting all the rerolls so you can get broken ranks with them if you're going into a battle line unit and things like that i would almost use bellacore the same way i think i would sort of fly him into my opponent's backfield and cause problems with Bellacore, um, fighting sort of things that I know that he'll kill and try and distract my opponent if I was playing Bellacore instead of the Demon Prince, I think. All right, burning question is your... I'm trying to bring up the War Scroll, though, so I've got, got it in front of me. The Dragon Ogres. People have been asking about the Dragon Ogres. <laughs> 
talk to me about this crazy list science because um, I have not played Dragon Ogres since 2017. A mad lad, Chris Tot, had run like a whole army, of, like literally a whole army. It was nothing but Thunderscorn um, at me and it was insane. But I have, since that moment, I haven't seen Dragon Ogres on the table. What has made it come back into third ed? Um, and why have you put in a bunch of points into it? Because that's a lot of points. Yeah, so I, I always like Dragon Ogres because the models are really cool. So I've been running them since since the book came out, since 2017, was it 2018, I think. Um, so so they weren't great before. They didn't do much damage. They still don't do great damage, but it's better now with plus one to hit uh, available easily. Um, so they didn't do great damage. They weren't that tough because they were on a four-up save. Um, it's, it's a decent amount of wounds, five wounds each. So that's 15 wounds in the unit of three, um, four up save. And we didn't really have easy access to, to save bonuses, but now four up save. So like for example, the unit of six dragon ogres, that's 30 wounds in the unit. So if you cast mystic shield on them and give them total defense, they're reasonably tanky. And with the uh, Kragnos um, changes, so when you have three or more, more than three rather, dragon ogres in a unit. So on a two up, you heal one wound at the end of end of each combat phase and you also deal one wound like you roll two up for each enemy unit nearby to deal one mortal wound so they're good at grinding now like uh that's 30 wounds in the unit and i only have two units that i'm usually using my battle shock immunity on probably the six enlightened and six dragon dragon ogres so it's not that big of a risk their bravery isn't great so they run on a six i think if you lose one what you lose one yeah. more on a six so i'd usually use the battle shock immunity just in case because you're losing five wounds if you if you lose one if you do run low on your dragon ogres and they're not in combat, like let's say you've got two left in the unit, you can rally and try and get five wounds back. I was, was going to ask you, I was going to ask you about rally because if you roll that six on a rally, especially that unit of six, and if it's down to the last model, you throw down that rally. And if you happen to get one or you spike two, that's 10 wounds potentially coming back into the unit. So, um, which is crazy because my experience against dragon ogres is that they don't do a lot of damage. Like I'm, I'm re-looking at the profile. They've got quite good consistent attacks. You know, they're hitting on threes, wounding on threes. You mentioned doing all that defense to get the plus one to save. So you're saving on threes, but then you've, if you did all that attack, you're hitting on twos and then they're getting the re-roll ones to hit if they're within, uh, they, they still have that rule. Can they still get yeah, the re-roll? Yeah, so that's from the Shagoth. Shagoth? Yeah, so wholly within 12 of the Shagoth. So your Shagoth and your six Dragon Ogres are probably running as a unit, and you're wanting to keep yeah. your Shagoth alive for Hailstorm. So you're not engaging them early. But once your opponent chews through your Chaff, so get into get into them with the Dragon Ogres and the Shagoth and just try and keep them alive. And they're counting for two models each, the six Dragon Ogres. That's 12 models. The Shagoth is a monster. He counts for five. So that's 17 models on your objective. And you're just holding on for dear life at that point probably once your dragon ogres are in combat it's like game and you're just trying to hold on hopefully your herdstone aura is big enough that you're getting minus one save from the herdstone and um i would probably most of the time use total defense maybe total attack if they're going into something soft and i really need to chew through it i guess it's redundancy yeah. right when you're re-rolling ones and you're already hitting on threes like spending a command point to go down to twos like, what's the real trade-off? Although, if you are p using the paired ancient weapons, you're getting six attacks apiece. I guess the challenge is, is that, you know, they're all really just one damage and no rend except for the Warglaive. So, you, you, you know, you're basing this off volume of attacks. You're... Yeah. 
Yeah, like if you're going to clan rats or something like that, that's I would go for all out attack. So they're hitting on twos, rerolling ones, maybe even cast the shag off spell to let them reroll their wound rolls and just get a lot of dice into those clan rats and wear them out. Um, so I think against low armor stuff, just a bucket of wounds, you can you might want to buff your dragon ogres to to do some damage. But I think generally you're just using them to tank. Um, and they're fairly difficult to kill for broken ranks. How how does this list change? Like, let's say you swapped um, the Dragon Ogres for Bulgors, because I imagine they're playing a very similar role. They are a second wave of trash, you know, in your in your words. Um, you know, they're, they're, second, they're, they're not your first wave of attacks. They're second wave. They're picking in something they want to try to pull down. They're probably the, the more of the damage dealer. One is probably Bulgors are more offensive, while your Dragon Ogres probably are more defensive with the with the five wounds apiece but does the list change a lot if you were to swap the two out um yeah so i think if you remove the dragon ogres so you're gonna have a problem with your battle line um bulgors are squishier so easier for your opponent to get broken ranks because if you're running the great axes they're five up to save if you're running the the shield at that point like why are you doing that you might as well run dragon ogres if you're running bulgors with a shield i think and I, th I think the shield adds plus one to save. I don't think it takes their save characteristic to a four up. No, most most so. shields just add a plus one. So it's good because it means you don't have to spend a command point for all that defense. Um, but it does mean that it's still five wounds. So five ups are save on a four wounds. So yeah, just for my play style, I would prefer the Dragon Ogres. I don't play as offensive with Beastmen. I, sometimes I get zero kill points in a game, like back when we tracked kill points. <laughs> so... If I think someone like Joel might might enjoy the Bulgors more, uh, someone who wants to actually kill stuff, I, for my playstyle, I think the Dragon Ogres are more optimal. Yeah, uh, I think I think for me though, it's just that that rend one. Sorry, the the one inch attack and um, and obviously you know for anyone who is new to the channel, um, this is not the one list that rules them all. It's not you know this is not the the list. Uh, it's just an example of how you're thinking about third ed. But I could clearly see I could see you flip. I could some see somebody flipping out the three dragon ogres and making them a unit of three bulgore. Maybe not the six. We talked a bit about previously the coherency issues and the one inch range on the bulgores, but. If you needed a bit more punch and you needed a bit more rend um, or a bit more threats in your meta, that's probably an easy switch. Yeah, yeah. I think what you could do is so in that case, you would want your Doombull to be your general. So that's another issue because he's a little bit squishier than the Shagoth, these eight wounds. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. They do only count one for one. And then, yes, bull, and yes, then yeah. Bulgor only count as one against the objective, where Dragon Ogres are counting as two. So that's a really good point um, by Aussie. Yeah, and to make them battle line, you need the Doom Bull General. So you're probably going to move the Amulet of Destiny to your Doom Bull so that he lives a little bit longer. But then your Shagoth's more vulnerable, who's casting Hailstorm, and you want your Shagoth to live. Um, I think I think probably if I was running Doom Bulls and Bulgors, I might actually run the Bellacord list instead. And that would be a more offensive list. I think this sort of skew... Alpha Chaff list benefits more from Dragon Ogres. Um, yeah, because Bellacor is going to be taking a lot of heat in that case. Um, yeah. I, I think, like, like I said, I think you just run whatever you like in the army. And 
it's more about the philosophy of blocking and not getting into combat unless you absolutely need to that wins you the game. It's not so much the exact models that you take in Beasts of Chaos. Yeah. No, and, yeah. and, yeah, and I, I think the point that I was trying to make, and um, it was not about what's better or worse, but I know there are probably some people who are very passionate about their bulgors, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is that you can still kind of like tweak and modify the list if you want to go down more of a, a bulgor route because that's your favourite model or you want, to, you want a bit more damage. But the play style that you're building around here is durability and, you know, screens and i think you know the, the the dragon ogres and being a very hard battle line to pull down uh is great for denying your opponent those vps and um then yeah. obviously tweak and modify and and and, and do what you want to do put in mega gargan put in as you said bellacore there's a lot of points where do you get that from things need to be need to, need to disappear yeah bellacore is only 360 so he's not that much more than the demon prince it's only another 150 and he sort of fulfills a similar role in terms of messing with your opponent. I think if I wanted to include Bulgors in this list, because I love my Demon Prince, I would probably uh, remove the Shaman and the Zangor Enlightened and just replace them with Bulgors. And you lose that, that range, like the uh, power projection, I think. But you can have fun charging with Bulgors. Your opponent's trying to charge your Bulgors and just can't charge them, and then you counter charge. And, hopefully uh do some damage with your bulls i think probably replacing the enlightened component of the list would be the sensible thing to do if you're running bulls then they're not battle line either because you still got your shag off general so if your bull gores die you, like who cares your opponent won't be getting broken ranks as easily um still because you've got your as your battle line talk to me about this underworld warband because most people write off underworld warbands and you could probably choose in the entire age of sigma five or less warbands that are actually decent in match play and you could probably name them off the top of your, you know, <laughs> off the top of your list what is gasharak grasharak uh, hmm. by the way i got my covid vaccine today so like be, be nice to me like i'm sure it's messing with my language i'm sure that's that's my my answer but grasharak um what's this underworld's war brand bringing to the table and you've already mentioned it once or twice but why have you got it in the list uh so he's good as a hearthstone hero because um so his little warband that he has with him i believe on a four up he can pass wounds to them so he's like five wounds on a six up save so if he's like camping at the Hearthstone barbecuing Angors for your summoning points, he's a little bit more difficult to remove. Um, also, you can just use his little five guys because they're two separate units. You could ambush them to steal an objective. I did that in one of my games a couple weeks ago at a tournament. And then Otharian had to run and, and fight Grashrak's despoilers. <laughs> and so Otharian is killing like effectively 50 points because the Grashrak is only 50 points more than... Um, than a Bray Shaman. A regular Shaman, yeah. And that was totally worth it. And then, um, so Grashak was actually sacrificing himself during that game. He was just stabbing himself for T3 mortal wounds because I had uh, sent his little crew off. Um, and his War Scroll spell is really good. So it's uh, cast on a 7, so not reliable, but it's D3 mortal wounds um, and plus 1 to hit against that unit. 18-inch range. So plus 1 to hit helps... Uh, like on your Dragon Ogres, they go to twos. Your Enlightened go to threes. You might not need to spend a command point on all-out attack. Um, so it's a good spell. Um, and and is um, I think mainly it's just 50 points more for that 
the five extra bodies that you can do something with. You can sacrifice those bodies as well. Why not? You can stab your little crew if you're not in danger of getting shot um, to sacrifice the herdstone. It's just, yeah, you could replace them with a Bray Shaman if you really like that spell. Uh, the Bray Shaman's War Scroll spell is to um, force an enemy unit to move towards one of your units, and it can force them to move into combat, for example. So that's one way yeah, to get I, around I, Unleash I, Hell. I think it happened to me with the gave spawn, yeah. the gave spawns. Like I had to, I had to move closer to this bloody um, chaos spawn, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to fight a chaos spawn with my mega gargant. Um, but I kept being brought in. It was a, it was a jerk move. But they're probably the other call out uh, that might just be worthwhile. I think it was mentioned earlier in the chat is um, that is a um, Grasherak is a unique. Um, unit which means that you're not going to be able to put on an artifact you're not going to be able to put on things like flaming weapons or arcane tomes or any of the um the core spells and prayers and things like that so if you need a a, a, a brace shaman that is can you know you want to customize and you really want to like put on flaming weapon or you know, <laughs> curse or something cool that Grasherak's not for you, but if yeah. you don't need it because you're putting, you know, Amulet of Destiny and you're putting customization on your, sh you know, your Shagoth or um, your, your Doom Ball or whatever it might be, then, um, and you know, I can see that you've gone double battle regiment, so you haven't even gone war Warlord to get the extra artifact. So um, a unique unit is actually not a bad, bad choice. Yeah, that's another reason that I think that no herd is good because he's locked to all herd, and I think that's the weakest herd. So if you're taking Gave Spawn, he can't turn into a spawn when he dies. Um, so if you want to play Suicide Hero, Spawn Fun, and Gave Spawn, you're taking a Bray Shaman instead, usually, mm -hmm. I think, um, unless you really value his War Scroll spell. Um, also, in general, you don't really want to give any artifacts or command traits to your uh, Shaman because he's so squishy. Why would you make him your general? He's going to die immediately and your opponent's gonna get slay the warlord um and yeah. oh, flaming weapon he's got one attack <laughs> so. yeah you're not putting you're not you're not running in um you're not running in like would you put a flaming weapon through an arcane tome on like a beast lord so i i would put on a doom bull so i did that at, so I, I won a 1k tournament with beasts of chaos and aos3 so the 1k so it's very different than 2k but i found that arcane tome with the uh, flaming weapon on the doom bull was pretty interesting because um because it takes him to four damage on his axe minus two rend so he's hitting on threes wounding on threes so he can when he gets that flaming weapon off he's he can be scary if you for example do best day ever so i did that against the unit of five brutes against iron jaws so i did best day ever flaming weapon uh plus on the hit uh they were in the herdstone aura and doom bolt charges in and wipes out five brutes easy do you, do you mean finest hour uh yep <laughs> but uh, i think vince veterologist <laughs> uh, calls it best that, 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 that's why i was calling you out because we're yeah. recording like literally two hours after warhammer weekly and vince uh, ventrella yeah. for like four hours kept calling it their best day ever and like I wanted to actually him, but I couldn't. But I was like, is, he, is there is there an allegiance ability somewhere called their best day? But no, okay, it's it's their finest hour, which is one of the yeah. four heroic action uh, options um, to give you plus one to wound, plus one to save. Yeah, so so your doom ball when you do finest finest hour or best day ever, as it should be called, and uh, let's say you put plus one to hit, uh, you got flaming weapon on, so you're doing twos and twos um 
and then you've got your four damage. It's only three attacks, but still, like that can spike. And if you're in the Herdstone aura, that might be uh, minus three rend. Maybe you've cast Tendrils of Atrophy, might be minus four. Maybe if you're crazy and you did the Shagoth spell for some reason on him, and all the stars align, you get all your buffs off. It's like minus minus six rend on that axe, four damage, <laughs> and it, it's not going to kill something really scary, but it's going to kill a lot of stuff that maybe your opponent wouldn't expect if if things work out. Well, one of the discussion yeah. points on, on this Warhammer Weekly that kept talking about their best day ever, um, which is probably a really valid point, is there's a lot of save stacking right now in the game. So people getting plus two, plus three, even plus four to plus five to armor save, whether it's through Mystic Shield, Cover, um, Finest Hour, all that defense. And when you're doing things like these big Archeon, Alarial, Marathis, Gotrex, whatever, um, that can that can just make it really impossible to pull down. That by you having access to these Beast Lords that could be doing damage, Ren 3, Ren 4, Ren 5, oh, uh, that's, how you, that's how you can start pulling down these, these massive heroes. And I tell you right now, when you've got this... Um, this demon prince, people are going to be targeting the demon prince as opposed mm -hmm. to even what I experienced, this little little beast lord or a doom ball. I'm like, eh, eh, <laughs> I'll target Bellacor. I'll target the demon prince. And then that gets into combat and he punches you in the face and you didn't see it coming. That was That's my experience with the little, the little um, especially the beast lord. Doom ball is a bit more obvious, but um, from a target yeah. priority. I think the beast lord... Um... If you really want to run the Beast Lord because the model is cool, which it is, I think you're playing Gave Spawn and putting the Mutane Gnarl Blade to take him to three damage, six attacks. Um, I think you can do the same with a Doom Bowl, five damage in, in Gave Spawn. Um, but um, I, I don't think you would put Flaming Weapon or Arcane Tome on your Beast Lord because it's only two damage, six attacks. Really cool. one run. It would be cool. I yeah. like that's. Like it would be cool. It might not be the best option, but yeah, the Doom Bull would definitely yeah. pack more punch than a Beast Lord, especially because the Beast Lord lost the re-rolls against heroes. That probably probably contributed to why it kicked me in the in the crutch so hard. Yeah, I think maybe maybe on a Beast Lord, if I wanted to put Arcane Tome on it, because the Brayherd lore, it doesn't say like Bray Shaman, so he's Brayherd, so he could take a Brayherd Lord spell lore spell, which is pretty good, and take tendrils of atrophy for minus one save. And it's a 12-inch range cast on a six so because he's you can put him up a little bit further than a bray shaman maybe you can i don't think it's a great combination but it could be a fun surprise to ambush well, him in and uh, maybe you're casting tendrils of atrophy from from behind and and stuff like that if he lives he doesn't live very long but well, Angus has already <laughs> called it the Lamb yeah. Torpedo Strat. So I think <laughs> the fact that it has, now has a name as a strategy, I think we need to make that stick, the Lamb Torpedo Strategy. <laughs> um, just like buff up this the Flaming Lamb or the Flaming Bull and just go to your face. But I think, you know, like when I, when I think about Beasts of Chaos and, you know, this discussion has been great. Like I've really enjoyed it because it's, it's, it's an army that not a lot of people are talking about. People are talking about in the meta, Slaves to Darkness, Sons, Daughters of Cain, Lumineth, Soul Blight. No one's talking about Beasts of Chaos. And it's been interesting looking, even just like when I started looking at some of the tournament lists, seeing Dragon Ogres back. I haven't seen Dragon Ogres in such a long time. 
the Shagoth being brought back in, getting that really durable hero that um, that can work well in an army. Uh, it's nice to see Enlightened back in in lists, and you know we've seen you know Dan Bradshaw in like 2018 won Masters with a whole bunch of like 30 Zangor on foot. So yeah. you've got some options, and I think I love the fact that you can tap into the coalition as well and if you need to get um a manticore a, like a sorcerer lord on manticore or you want to tap into a, a cheap a cheap monster there's there's so many options at your disposal um through beasts now that's not saying yeah. that you're a five and oh army it's not saying that you know you should put these toys on the table and you're just going to kick ass it's going to take a lot of effort but i'm feeling positive about the army yeah, I think if you get good matchups, like three and two is doable. And if your if your meta is really melee heavy for some reason, and you bring this list with a corn demon prince and a shagoth, you could really annoy people and maybe maybe go four and one if you're if you're lucky with your spell casting and with let's your let's set expectations. You're you're a two three maybe. or a three two army. Yeah, like yeah, you know, think, you're... yeah, it depends on your meta. Uh, and if you get lucky matchups, you could. You could go three and two. That's I think three and two, four and one is the best I've done with Beastmen in the past, like at a two K tournament in the past uh, year or so. Uh, so I did four and one, three and two, and then one time I finished bottom five because I got bad matchups, <laughs> and that happens. And that happens. That happens. I I, yeah. I went four one and four at a tournament like last year with Tempest Eye. Like I just kept I kept running into Petrifex Elite with my my pistolies with Rend One and like the, I ran yeah. into Petrifex twice. It just happens. Um, but then a tournament not long ago, I faced Marathi Nagash and Archeon in one tournament. So um, you know sometimes you get a good win. By the way, I, I beat all three of them, which was funny. The nice. two games I dropped, <laughs> the two games that I dropped were the non God Monster lists. That um, I think one of the cool things as well, and you know I hope the Beast Lords are feeling positive is that there is meant to be an upcoming Chaos Battle Tome in, they say, October. So could be Nurgle, could be Beast of Chaos. There's a lot of rumour rumbling about Beast of Chaos being that particular build and what it might mean, whether it's just updated resin sculpts, whether it is new monsters, being that we are set in the realm of Gur. If you, maybe to bring this home, if you had a choice of what that would look like, if you had the controlling direction, and we know Kragnos has, has betrayed us, what is it your hopes and dreams are for the upcoming battle tome? So I would I would want um, so first off monster hero that would definitely help a lot. So having so Morger um, so he's a minor chaos god. He could be a sort of like magicy hero, probably not as annoying as Teclas, Hopefully for your opponent's sake, um, but he could be a good. Magic hero, we we lack casting, like uh, casting bonuses, casting rerolls. That's an issue for us. We have great lore spells, but no bonuses. So a, a Morger sort of monster hero caster would be great. Or Krakenrock the Black, so he's the ancient dragon ogre. I'd love him on a 170 mil oval base, just a giant dragon ogre Shagoth. Uh, Shagoths are also wizards. That would be a monster wizard hero, the best sort of hero. Uh, so I think those two would be a huge boost to the army and um maybe i don't think it it would take that much to make the army actually good like a solid mid-tier army i think if you increase the herdstone radius a little bit because it's small right now starting at six inches so if it started at nine inches or 12 inches if i dare to hope that would be excellent maybe it would give plus one to cast 
like uh like the mop pot that would be that would be pretty great i think that change alone makes the army good and then if if they fix the issues with um coherency on bestigors and bulgors if bulgors got the rock gut troll scroll i would i would like them if they had two inch reach hit on threes some some minor changes like that could actually make the army like a solid mid-tier maybe even like um low upper tier army like somewhere where ogres sit right now um i think ogres may be a little bit higher they're probably like yeah, a, I, low a tier there's yeah, definitely they, a big definitely... difference when i play my ogre army compared to beastmen just charge the stone horns hope for the double turn and remove all your opponents Metal toys. Crunch. <laughs> Um, I, yeah. I want to. I want to see beasts of cows get weird. I want to see some monsters. I want to start seeing. You know. Um. I don't want. Like. I want to start seeing some real monsters of chaos brought in. And you know. I love the cockatrice. I love. Well, I did love the Jabba Slife. Mm. Um. I love that monstery type feel. And I think this is the perfect army, considering that we're set in the realm of Gur, that we can take advantage of Gur. What is the monsters that you can corrupt? Or bring to the party and i think um that for me would get me excited about beast of chaos and maybe even cross the line and actually be a player because i love cockatrice i love things like chimeras <laughs> i love i love monsters i'm like you know wizards and monsters are the two things that i love in 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 fantasy and if you got me some cool monsters i'm a buyer yeah i think cockatrice is a good candidate for a new model because if you look in oh, yeah. the general's handbook art so for titanic duel it's a cockatrice against a chimera in that art so maybe new model for cockatrice jabber slice got rules in broken realms kragnos which is pretty weird for a resin model maybe new Super jabber weird. and the Super total weird. war team made a really cool jabber model for total war so and they've been working closely with games workshop so Hopefully, cool, awesome Jabber. Maybe, I think what would be cool is if you combine the Slaves to Darkness monster pool, because they've got a lot of things like the Raptorix. I mean, they're not great, but still still cool to have more monster choices and sort of pull them together between the two armies. Maybe not the, like the Gorgon and the Saigor, like definitely are Beasts of Chaos monsters because they're in that War Herd territory. But some of the other stuff like Cockatrice, Manticores, the Raptorix, things like that, the llama cat as vince calls the whatever yeah. that cat is love that kitty um, cat <laughs> the, 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 the thermoroid kind of rock dude yeah um those and can definitely be shared and hades i'm sorry we did talk about the cycle it's still hot garbage um i wish it was good i really do um the gorgon is much better and i think it's definitely yeah. a viable option and my guest has agreed the cycle i'm sorry just you're better <laughs> off running a chaos gargant as opposed to a cycle yeah in terms of the non-monster heroes uh like chimera gorgon cockatrice i think are your interesting choices cygor is a great way to give your opponent a victory point when they kill it uh while it does nothing <laughs> and um, confuse them like what are you doing why is this model yeah. here if you, it is, if you it bring... is a cool model hades it is a cool model like nothing excites yeah. me like this big big thing thrown a rock it's just that it's 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 more likely to throw its the rock on its foot and infect its toe than it is actually to kill a battle line skaven model not a unit yeah. model um make that rock six damage make it hit on threes and that might be more interesting i mean even i think even then that it's just one one attack is just not good that's that's not a good profile in general unless you're hitting twos and twos 
like twos to hit, twos to wound, minus two, five damage, something like that. One attack, then that becomes interesting. Um, yeah, Saigor needs a war score rewrite. If it was half the price, it would only exist as a something cheaper than a cockatrice. It would just be there to just fulfill that monster keyword without doing anything interesting, really. Yeah. 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 The, is there anything you kind of want to bring us home with and kind of wrap this up, Barsosh? This has been quite cool. I've um, I'm feeling quite positive. I feel you know you you know again I'm realistic. There are challenges, and we've already kind of illustrated those challenges. But you know I think I think compared to maybe like Sylvaneth who are currently currently crying in their trees, you know you've come off quite well. You've you've got more wins than you've got losses um, in the migration from second to third. Yeah, I think the the biggest loss is the damage output. So if you enjoy killing stuff, you're not going to do that very much. Um, so the damage output is bad, but like I think if you play intelligently and um, yeah, <laughs> poor guy. Poor, poor Angus. Cycle. Poor Angus has got four cycles. Yeah. And like I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. So I know we're a, we're a bunch of salty goats, beastman players. Uh, we're always complaining that uh, we're getting the short end of the stick, but I think. Uh, I think our time is coming because uh, it's we're in Gur right now. So hopefully, Games Workshop gives us. I actually I want models more than rules because like the rules change all the time. I want some cool new models to paint. So if I'm actually hoping we're not the October book because we've only seen one rumor engine that I think could be a Beasts of Chaos model that had like a goat skull on it. Like a, Bestigore skull. So if we do get the October release, I have a feeling it's going to be a small one, and I'd rather wait and get a bigger release with updated kits for like all the resin stuff. Um, so I don't mind waiting if I get cool models. I I would like to have like a mid tier sort of book. Like ogres, I think is a in a perfect place. It's such a fun army. Um, I mean, some people hate stone horns, but I think it's it's still a solid uh, a tier army that's not too oppressive. So somewhere there, maybe a little bit below that. You don't want to be an army that people hate to play against. You don't. <laughs> so something Sorry, that's yeah. a, a well-written book that's fun to play against, fun for you to play, cool model release. That's what I'm hoping for. And longevity. Yeah. And longevity. You don't want to be hit with a nerf bat. Bartosz, yeah. you've got a Twitter. I'm going to put the Twitter handle below. You are Eat, Bray, Love. You've got it on the screen there. But uh, I know you're super active on the Facebook page. There's a, a Beast of Chaos Facebook page as well. Um, any shout-outs to your homies you want to make at this point? Um, yeah, there's there's also a WhatsApp group that you can join um, uh, where we all get salty together. <laughs> You might need like to go to the Facebook out. page to get that one yeah. because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that link here because bots will just join you at your, fa your yeah, WhatsApp. Yeah. yeah, just ask in the Facebook group for the WhatsApp chat. Um, the Facebook community for Beasts of Chaos is great because like most of us are people who just enjoy the army. There's no people who got into it to win. That was early on when Enlightened were 140 points and like people pick them up to win events. They're not anymore. This is this is mostly an army that you you enjoy playing. You love the models and you love the just the feel of it. So everyone's really into the army. It's a great community. And uh, shout outs. Uh, so shout out to my wife who uh, puts up with me painting miniatures in the living room all the time and running my airbrush compressor. Uh, my wife, Tanya, uh, my flatmates will also put up with that. And our local community is uh, great. We've got Andy who runs our, our local hobby shop and uh, and manages the model citizens, the Auckland model citizens uh, group. 
Um, so shout out to my regular opponent, Mike Oliver, Molly, Molly Mantooth on Facebook, who I practice against. <laughs> it's my regular opponent. Plays well. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the Christchurch uh, Warhammer community is really great. So I went to a tournament down there. Uh, we don't travel that much in New Zealand for tournaments. So I definitely recommend if you're not in Christchurch, head down there. Some really cool people like Richard Punt, Alexander, um, Jamie Knife, another big Beastman fan in Christchurch, and, and Al Ash Ashley as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a great community. So hopefully our lockdown ends and I can head down there for the uh, War Clouds Doubles Tournament in February, I think. They're still planning to run it with the situation here in New Zealand, hopefully. Fingers um, crossed. Well, I got, I've just gotten my yeah. first um, boost of 5G in my veins. I feel the magnetic <laughs> strips already coming through. I've had magnets kind of hit my hands just while we've been streaming. But um, obviously, as the meta revolves, tournaments start kicking in. These lists are going to change merely. This is a first look into Beast of Chaos just to get your feel. Um, and, and like every great YouTuber out there, I want to know how you're building your Beast of Chaos list. And if you're going down and disagreeing with Bartosh's thoughts around, you know, the gores and ungores, because, because there's, there's probably some people who've got some list tech in the gore and ungore build. I'd love to know what you're building and why you've decided to consist with, you know, gores and ungores. Um, if you're tapping into some things from Slaves to Darkness and maybe you're getting some really good things from the kitty cat which i think it's got some very interesting rules i like its rules and it's cheap enough for me to consider adding it to the list um but what else are you tapping into slaves to darkness i, I want to know like, i genuinely want to know and i'm sure the facebook page would love to see some of the list sites as well yeah i think the kitty is an interesting alternative to the taurus now for the always strikes last if yes. you really want that um yeah and if you were crazy you could take a war shrine for curse uh, I don't. I don't think you can actually give allies enhancements, so probably not for the worst. No, you can't. No, no. Otherwise, no, I'd be putting my frost phoenix with an artifact. Yeah. No, you can't put artifacts and stuff on. I think. I think you still get one prayer, so I think it might be able to take. I'm not sure. A questionable on the war shrine, yeah. but you probably don't want to do it anyway because it's not buffing any slaves to darkness stuff. I think probably Bellacor and the Demon Prince are your big slaves to darkness options. Maybe the cat. Uh, actually, Untamed Beasts, good shout for them, because they're cheaper than Raiders, yes. do the same job, 15 points less, longer screen. They're not as fast, but yeah, could do that. No, no, you've done a great job. Everyone's got nothing yeah. but love for you. Um, go <laughs> check out Eat Bray Love on Twitter if you want to talk list science. Go check out on the Facebook. Uh, as you probably should know, I've got a pretty happening Discord, which has a piece of chaos chat as well. So they were feeding me some crazy list science, trying to work out what on earth Bartosh was doing with his list, but uh, I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to go cook dinner. I've got to go plug in my arm to get a, a boost in the <laughs> Wi-Fi signal. Um, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed talking Beast of Chaos and know that this won't be the only show we'll do on Beasts. We'll always talk more about lists and as they keep coming up, the meta evolves, things change. Who knows? Maybe there is a White Dwarf coming in with extra Beasts battalions or uh, new models. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll always talk. Um, and I'm sure Joel will have some interesting ideas that he'll want to share, and we'll we'll find more beast players. Yeah, shout out to my fellow beast lords. Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> They're chaos. Keep fighting animals. the good fight. Yeah, yeah. I've actually got some goat dice um, from Farmer Hammer, and I love it. That's probably like the first like little thing that's going to get me to play Beast of Chaos. But so, um, all right, I'm um, going to go cook dinner. All right, Bye, Tosh. See ya.
Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigma conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is done directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more fixes.